The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. First thing is we're going to uh, approve the absences of uh, John Mitchell and Jeremy Berg. I get someone to make a motion. I move to approve the absences of John Mitchell and Jeremy Berg. Second. Um, all those uh, uh, in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed say no. All right. Um, uh, are there any additions to the agenda? Uh, no, there are not. Okay. Uh, are there any guests that need to be introduced? Uh, look, the only people that are in the um, gathered out there right now are just applicants. So, okay. um, are there any public uh, comments on non-agenda items? No. Okay. Uh, can I get someone to make a motion to approve the agenda? I move to make, uh, sorry, <laughs> I move to approve the agenda as written. Any second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? All right. Um, uh, Luis, would you read the um, uh, disclaimer, please? Yes. Uh, chapter 16, Section 22 of the City of Kalamazoo Code of Ordinance states, historical preservation is of public purpose. To serve that purpose, the Historic District Commission is hereby charged with the following responsibilities. A, the Kalamazoo Historic District Commission is empowered to regulate work on the exterior of historic resources and non-historic resources in historic districts in the City of Kalamazoo and shall otherwise have all powers invested in historic district commissions pursuant to the local Historic District Act, MCLA 399201, 1970 PA 169 as amended 1992. B, to regulate work on resources which by city ordinance are historic or non-historic resources located within local historic districts including but not limited to the moving of any structure into or out of or the building of any structure in an historic district. The following documents are available in the Community Planning and Economic Development Department located at 245 North Rose Street. These documents will help assist property owners in understanding the responsibilities of owning a property in a local historic district. MCLA 399-201, 1970-PA-169 as amended 1992. Code of Ordinances, City of Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, excuse me, Chapter 16, Historic Districts, Secretary of the Interior Standards for Re Rehabilitation and Guidelines for Rehabilitating Historic Buildings, 1990, Standards and Guidelines uh, for Kalamazoo Historic Districts, and Maps of Kalamazoo Local Historic Districts. These documents and maps are also available on the city website of Kalamazoo at www.kalamazoocity.org forward slash historic preservation. Thank you, Luis. Um, I guess we're going to jump into old business. Um, do, do you have any uh, uh, info on those withdrawn? Uh, no, just to say that both 509 Southwest Nidge and 714 Locust both withdrew applications. Um, they were, uh, had hearings scheduled for last month and they've, like I said, since withdrawn those applications. Great. Um, moving on to uh, new business. Um, uh, are we just going to do the... 100 
uh, North Edwards first? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Nelson, uh, welcome. And I just want to let applicants know as well, there's a microphone that's at the podium here at the front. There's a small button on that podium, a small gray button on the front of it. And when you click the button, um, there will be a green light that comes on. And I can explain it again as people go up um, or come down and show you if you would like. Or maybe there's actually not a green button on that one because it's controlled by uh, Casey. I don't see a button. Okay. So <laughs> I apologize for spreading that false information. There is no button on that microphone. Um, and then it's all just, we're all good right now, Casey. Cool. So you can just talk right into it. Thank you. All right. I'm uh, Nelson Nave. I'm an architect. I also own the building at 100 North Edwards. It's, uh, it's 60 feet on Edwards and 100 feet deep. Uh, back to an alley and surrounded on two sides by a public alley. Um, this, the age of this is 1893 and it was built along with the rest of the street down to the end of the Heritage Company as a light industrial or industrial uh, occupying or uses in the beginning. Uh, mine uh, was built as a uh, carriage, steel carriage maker's place. The weird thing is his name was Nelson Newton. Same initials, same first name. Uh, very ironic. But anyway, um, and he built steel carriages in there, and then there's an elevator in the back that you still pull on ropes, and uh, you put the carriage in there, and it went up to the second floor, and there was a separate business on the second floor that uh, put the uh, upholstery, the wood trim, and the paint on the carriage. And then it went down and out. So that story is to explain that this was cheaply built. It was probably the same as a pole barn these days. Um, there were lots of them in the cities built the same ways. Uh, cheap. Uh, Chicago common brick, and so on. So in the early 80s, um, they put these plaster panels on the building, I think to ha cover up the bad brick, because when you get to the back corner, and if there's, if, if there's, a, do you have a picture of that back? Casey, could you scroll down a couple? Yep, this will be a uh, fine page. The upper right-hand corner is, uh, shows the back wall. It's all plaster panel. Underneath the plaster is eight-inch concrete block. The brick was so bad that they took it all down somehow, held the roof up, and put up concrete block in the early 80s. Then on the south side, they put the uh, panels. Now, the panels were, at, were put on there with, they're about 10 by 10 feet, and there's galvanized strips and mesh underneath the cement, as, uh, not asbestos, cement plaster, and about a thousand nails per, per 10 by 10, galvanized nails. When those ones that are, where the brick is exposed fell down, thank God they fell down in the middle of the night on a weekend, no one was around. They weighed about two or three tons, 
there were nails everywhere. <laughs> I'm just giving you a background. Uh, we want to take the rest of the panels off. Um, afraid that they will fall off eventually and uh, maybe kill somebody uh, or at least flatten the car. Um, then the back we would leave the same. It's in perfect shape. Um, they're not panels. I think somehow it was applied to the concrete block. But the bottom uh, two or three feet, you can see in the low, lower left-hand corner, underneath some window sills, they had, it had, uh, as you, this sketch I passed out shows the original windows. It actually shows some high windows on the first floor. They were low too, down to where that stone sill is, has been chopped off. And we want to at least fix or repair the bottom uh, three feet, which has become so bad that the wall could fall down. Um, it's, it's only about four to eight inches thick in some places now, and it's two and a half stories high. So um, underneath the, the plaster panels are all those windows that are filled in with concrete block or brick in the past. Um, eventually, I'd like to fill in the where the sliding barn door is with a uh, wooden storefront that I bought from Heritage years ago and it's still in his place. It's a beautiful uh, heavy-duty uh, storefront that fits perfectly. Um, so that's what I'm here to get permission to take the plaster off, expose the brick. Building Restoration Inc. is working on it. Um, if I had more money, I could do the whole thing, but we're going to do the, just the first three feet repair, and then if we expose some bad areas, they're going to fix that or point them and yeah, point the brick and replace brick if they have to. So that's, that's really the story. Um, but again, that, oh, and then on the north side of the building, on the Heritage Building, the one story, it's half plaster. There's plaster on the back of his building and my building. So it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's been used for years. Um, so that's my story. And just to be sure and to clarify for everyone too then, so you're proposing to take off the plaster panels that are covering the rest of the south face of the building and then use plaster from the ground up about three feet or to the bottom of the window sills to kind of cover, um, or not cover, but to, to help shield that deteriorating brick from weathering further and, and dusting out further. Correct. Um, that's the worst part. It's probably from snow and ice and well, for years there was a Wendy's there and people backed into it <coughs> from their parking. And uh, the other thing, the, the plaster will be uh, historic lime plaster and not, uh, uh, not cement plaster. And there's a, there's a patch on the wall uh, about this big. It's been there about four or five years and it's in perfect shape. Um, 
Blair Bates likes it because it's a historic um, type of plaster and it moves with the building like the brick and the mortar, the old mortar does. So, All right, does anyone have any questions? Yeah, so Nelson, you're repairing the bottom three feet. Are you gonna have some sort of a mud sill or separation and then that will be permanent and later if you do? Uh, the, the plaster will be about uh, a quarter of an inch. Oh, that's all. Outside, maybe a half. But basically it will infill the uh, gaps and the chasms. Yeah, okay, so that'll all be back filled and then yes. They might, they might put some brick in there first, but I'm not sure mm -hmm. exactly of their process. And as far as your panels that you're talking about removing, have you done any probing behind there to see? It's mainly the lower section, if I recall from seeing The worst it. part of the brick will be pointed mm -hmm. if it's ready to fall out. And, yeah, uh, but the brick itself is fairly solid up high. Well, I hope so. You're, you're hoping. You don't know. So, yeah, it's still, it's still a bit of a crapshoot. It's been covered for, uh, you know, like 40 years. Yeah, so. okay. okay. I think that that does raise a good question, but it also, Nelson is here, I guess, to ask permission to take them down and without using some kind of, like, probing, telescoping thing to go up in there, it would be hard to be able to probe. And, I mean, you could use... I'm sure sonic methods to test and see what's back there, but until they get them down, you know, it's it's gonna be hard to see. And like Nelson said, I'm sure that there will be some holes from the nails that we're holding it up, but uh, only time will tell when we get it down, I think, so. Yeah, I think the brick's gonna look just like the brick you see. Uh, it's a mess. Um, and I think that's why it was put up there to begin with. And the rest of the building was taken down. Um, I mean, if I uh, put up a couple uh, veneer walls in downtown in the past before the districts, and uh, you can do that. You could put new brick up, a new layer, but it's for that it would be like four hundred thousand dollars for that one wall. So I'm not going to do that. Plus, it takes six more inches out of the city. <laughs> it, that's the property line where that wall is. Um, is is the brick that's exposed? Is it uh, more of an internal brick or something? Uh, it, it, it is there something inherent about the brick that's exposed, like it's softer, like or it's oh. just cheap brick, or is it? In mm -hmm. Oh, a Chicago common. If you could talk into the microphone, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Call it Chicago Common as a typical name because it's very soft and very inexpensively made originally compared to new brick. Okay, yeah, because I, I see that on other buildings and I was just oh, yeah. curious if. The new know. brick is designed for freezing and thawing and strength and everything else. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, does anyone else have any further questions? Does anyone want to make a motion? Uh, move to approve the removal of the remaining plaster panels and the application of plaster coating on the bottom three to four feet of the wall as specified. This proposal complies with the Secretary of the Interior Standards 1 through 6. 
The Commission approves a certificate of appropriateness for this project, approval of any final details to be delegated to the Historic Preservation Coordinator. I'll second that. Could we have a roll call vote? Dana? Yes. Andrew? Yes. Dan? Yes. Eric? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, looks like it passed. And what an awesome project. I'm super excited to see those panels come off and see what's under it. All right. Thank you very much. And then tomorrow, Nelson, I'll send an email of the certificate of appropriateness over, and then you can also expect a, a physical version to come in the mail. But I can't predict when that one will come. Uh, so uh, thank you. Okay, thank you. Yep. All right, we're moving on to uh, the 204, uh, um, yeah, what's it, 204 Monroe Street. You can uh, come on up if you'd like, George. Yes, I'm George McLeod, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we are uh, currently owners of 204 Monroe Street, uh, an historic home that was built <coughs> by Dr. Harvey um, in 1911, uh, and uh, uh, we recently had the roof uh, replaced, uh, very <coughs> well done by a worthy construction company and uh, which we're very pleased in the process, uh, right in the middle of the process, um, it was, we had to have it redecked. So there had to been, there were actually one, two, three, four layers still on it. And so it was redecked down to the original boards that were gapped as they often are in an older home. Uh, and in the process of, of moving along the roof in the tear-off, they found, uh, well, a piece actually fell off the middle chimney. And if you look, the upper um, right-hand corner is a 1912 picture of the home shortly after completion. And you can see the middle chimney was original and was there. And you can't see the south chimney because of the trees in this picture, but it is actually the same as the north chimney on the right. Uh, and uh, so a large chunk in the lower right-hand corner uh, shows where they've started the decking. They hadn't removed the aluminum shingles uh, to the right of that, but a big chunk just fell out of the chimney. And in observing that, the, it was simply a wood frame. And I know, because I, in my younger years, have uh, repaired the chimney several times, uh, always trouble with, with stucco. And I was surprised when I finally got to the chimney that uh, I knew it was a fake chimney. Uh, that's in the original uh, specifications of the house. But uh, I didn't realize it was wood frame. So it was built with a wood frame and then about two inches of concrete as you normally do and then stuccoed on the outside. And over the years, the weather has gotten to it and I've kept it as best I could sealed uh, to prevent water 
from coming in and actually redid the whole south side of it. But it can, that was a number of years ago. And it continues to fracture. And the, it's a replica of the north and south chimney and has three flues, uh, flue tiles, they're filled with concrete, so that never was functional. And those, as they often do, have deteriorated. And um, we had it painted a few years ago, and the painters, with much distress, were able to get up on the roof and, <laughs> and paint the chimney and caulk it and seal it. Uh, and that uh, has obviously deteriorated. As you can tell, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with the house or have driven by, that it's difficult to get to. And so in the process, and uh, Lewis gave us permission because we were in the middle of the roofing, didn't realize it was that bad, uh, to preserve the integrity of the house and the roof to um, take it down so that they could continue the roofing, because otherwise there was a big hole there. And if we had a rainstorm, we would be in trouble. And they did that, and indeed was rotten wood and was deteriorating uh, quite severely. So the bottom right shows that hole in the chimney at that particular place. And it actually does list a little bit to the south. And so uh, integrity has always been a problem with that chimney. So the, the two photos on the left show after the worthy construction uh, repaired that. And um, uh, Kai Woldy, the owner, uh, went to Heritage and actually found some. You can find anything at Heritage, I think. He actually found some. He took a piece of the old molding that went up to the chimney and found a very close match. And so his construction fellows were able to uh, complete that trim up, uh, reframed the corner in, and um, I think it looks great, <laughs> better than actually the non-functional chimney. Well, even before that, to try to get that done, um, I think most of you are aware of how expensive it is to repair if you can get somebody to work on your home. It was a worthy construction, was the only one we could find, it would even talic, tackle roofing the house and using guide ropes and, and so on. So it's a difficult location. Uh, to duplicate it, which you would have to do to make it look good, um, you could, um, <clears throat> I'm sure, get measurements and try to replicate it, but it would be very difficult to replicate it on the roof. So you'd have to, you get the idea. So it would be an extremely um, difficult project and likewise very expensive to put it up and it has no function. 
if I had my druthers, I would have left it because it's kind of, excuse me, unique to the house. And, but uh, we kind of surveyed people in the neighborhood and, and as they walk by, uh, do you see anything different in the house? And most of them do not. But that's, that's opinion. That's not what uh, you people are interested in. So our uh, uh, proposal is, or hope, that with this, excuse me, fine, fine repair, that we would not be responsible for rebuilding the chimney. Um, so that's our. Yeah, and I just want to give a little bit of background on this. So. George and the people at Worthy Construction uh, contacted me in advance of even doing the roof, and they applied to get the roof redone, um, which generally in his, the historic district, that's just going to be an administrative review if you're changing um, for lake materials or approved materials for roofing. Uh, the West Main Hill area became a historic district in 2007, and I believe about 20 years ago maybe, the metal roof was put onto the property. Um, there were metal shakes, I guess you could say. They were meant to look like shakes. Um, so they wanted to go back to the asphalt uh, shingles on the house. Um, as George was saying, and maybe as you can see from the picture, this is kind of a tricky roof. <laughs> um, the, the angles are a little bit crazy. Um, so I went out there and looked at with them a couple of times, and everything looked good. So uh, we got the approval going for the roof. Um, then a little while later, you know, I got a call from George again and said, hey, we're noticing some water infiltration at the chimney, and then it broke during the process as well. Um, what should we do? I had to think for, I guess, on my feet a little bit. I didn't necessarily want an open hole to be in the roof, and this was about a month before the meeting was going to happen. So I said, for right now, you can take it down, but you have to come to the Historic District Commission to see if it's OK to keep it down, um, because I just didn't want water infiltration to be going into the house. Um, I guess, you know, it, it's a tricky situation, but I think that the integrity of the house, I guess, to me overall, to preserve it in that short run, to be able to remedy it later is more important than having it sit because there can be a remedy that can happen. And ultimately, it's the commission's decision at what happens. Um, as I noted in my staff report, it is a faux chimney. And as George also said, and it, it doesn't work. Um, as I also said, though, it is original to the home. Um, so I, I, there, there are two sides to the coin there. Um, you know, as George was just saying, too, um, putting it back up will be interesting. I think it would be, um, I don't know if there would be a way also to reattach a faux chimney on the outside with, without having to recut through the roof in some capacity, and that's what I kind of originally thought about, because it does hug up against, there's, and I'm sorry, that my pictures are never the best, so I apologize. But this is a stepped roof here, so I don't know if, if, if it did need to go back on, is there a way to hang it over the top of, of the second peak of the roof? But that, that was my original thought, I guess, when I told them, you know, go ahead and take it down, because, um, again, I just didn't want it to uh, compromise the roof that they're getting put on at the time or compromise the rest of the house. So that was kind of my thought behind letting them take down this and then just saying, I think you, you still will need to come to the commission because ultimately they will make the decision on what's going to happen. 
the fate of the chimney, if you will. So I just wanted to give that back background on the, the proposal. Yeah, it's a kind of a tricky, tricky little thing. Um, does uh, anyone have any questions for George? No, I, I don't have a question, but I do have a comment. Are we at the comment? So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because generally, you know, I favor keeping things that were original to the house, but uh, um, I think the top priority is preserving the building, and a roof is crucial to preserving the building. And I agree that trying to erect, construct uh, something that's not even functional, <laughs> a faux chimney, is not a good idea for, um, and, and would, would likely damage the integrity of the roof. And that is why I, I would vote to approve this, to keeping it off. Yeah, I, I think I, I would agree with you on that. It's, I see both sides very clearly. I mean, we like to preserve, that's what we do. But at the same time, the function, I, I looked at the pit, it's not really changing the aesthetics to the point where you're like, oh my goodness, this is a feature that defines this house as what it is. There's, you mentioned the step, and there's some other things that make the house a nice house, and you're doing the things that many people neglect to do, so yeah, I'm in favor for sure. So more just for for our purposes so we understand what our options would be, because I agree with the commissioner's comments so far, but I was curious as I was reading this, what power does this body have to actually force somebody to build something that's already been removed? Because we could deny the request, but at that point, what would the actual uh, uh, power be for us to do anything there? It's a great question. I'm not <laughs> sure I have all the way the answer to. Um, again, I think that this was an interesting situation. I think the bottom line to me was that when they got up there, it was rotted out. So it would have needed to, I, I didn't see it, but after talking to George about it, the chimney would have needed replacement regardless of whether or not it came down or not. And the stucco was already failing on it. So. Not to say that it's a moot point, because I, I told them it's okay to take it down now, but I think it would have needed to be rebuilt anyways, and we would have almost been in a similar situation, perhaps, down the road. Um, that's a long-winded answer, too. As far as us being able to compel people to rebuild things that have already been removed, I, I would have to do some digging. I'm not comfortable saying uh, what the, the final answer is on that. Okay. I, I want to comment again on this, too, because this... There's a couple meetings back, we heard something very similar where they said, oh, we're sorry we didn't know. That's not the case here. They came to you and, and you helped make a decision so they could move forward. I do think Andrew's question is really prudent for us to spend some time. Maybe it has to do in somebody's uh, uh, side parlor and have coffee or something, you know. Uh, but the idea of, wait a minute, this has been done well, wait a minute, but we don't approve it. Now what do we do? And I'm not saying that's the case here, but it's definitely something to, to really think about because although I supported what they were doing a couple meetings back, I, I think it's really wrong to do things and just say, I'm just gonna pay the $75 fine and you know, big deal. You know, I, I, what are we all doing here if otherwise? So that's all. 
I just wanna also say that a majority of the commissioners are not allowed to meet together unless it's noticed, but if it's less than a majority, that, that's different, but uh, do not meet together as the majority of the people without it being noticed because that would, that's, we can't do that. So just to, just to let everyone know. All right, well then, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're all kind of on the same page here. Um, uh, it would be a shame to, you know, put your house in jeopardy for a faux chimney that had already failed. So um, can we put it to a roll call vote? Or no, uh, does anyone want to make a motion to uh, move forward? Sure, I would love to make a motion. I uh, move to approve the removal of the faux chimney from the house. This proposal complies with the Secretary of the Interior standards one through six. The commission approves the certificate of appropriateness for this project. Approval of any final details to be delegated to the historic preservation coordinator. Any seconds? I'll second that. Uh, all right, can we put it to a roll call vote, please? Dana? Yes. Andrew? Yes. Dan? Yes. Eric? Yes. All right, yeah. Um, thank you so much. It's, it's approved and... Um... Yeah, and I'll still send a certificate of appropriateness uh, to you via email so you can have one um, first that way to um, show that this work is appropriate. And then I'll also mail one to you that you can keep in your record. You can keep both in your records, but uh, so the chimney can stay down. Okay. Yep. Right. Thank you. I think it's the best for the house um, because it would leak eventually. If could, the way you would have to put it up. Yeah. If we could get somebody that would be capable of doing it, and I think Lewis mentioned, how do you get the measurements and if it could be put back exactly the way, it would look okay. But <laughs> yeah, but. How could you do that? And if, yeah, and if you did it on the ground, then you have to get a lift. You, I, it just seemed, uh, and Worthy did a marvelous job in uh, repairing it. So we're, we're pleased. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, George. Yep. For your help. Yep, yeah. of course. Thank all of you. Yep. Well, this is my wife, Linda. I should have introduced Linda. She's my support. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. Um, do I have anyone that wants to make a motion to approve the minutes? I guess if, if anyone has any comments about the minutes or any, anything yeah. like that before, too, there can be a discussion before uh, we would have to do anything just if there is anyone that has anything about them um i did have one question um and this again is more of a procedural a procedural question so for um the 714 locust where we ended up giving them the option to um delay because they would need 100 percent of the uh commissioners to agree I was wondering if we had, I was trying to look at it later and I couldn't find any great documentation if we had followed the right procedure there. Um, as far as the motion that we made to delay it, if the applicant decides they want to delay it, I'm not actually sure that we have to do anything there. Okay, and that's a, 
another good question that I will have to, uh, <laughs> just in case that were to come up. Oh, no, yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, so I will look into that as well and look into, um, I think that that's a historic district commission state level thing and then also an ordinance thing because um, you're right, if they elect to postpone, they have that right to postpone. Um, so yes, thank you. And I suppose it's worth noting that technically, I guess that's not a comment on the meeting minutes because the minutes accurately reflect what it is that we did. It was more as I was reviewing them thinking, wait, did we do that right? Yes, thank you. That's all, thanks. Um, if that's all the comments on the minutes, then um, yeah, if someone wants to um, make a motion. Oh, you made too many already or something? Oh, yeah, well, I move to approve the minutes as written from the previous mo uh, meeting. Awesome, second. Did oh. I second that. Great, all in favor of um, approving the minutes, uh, say aye. 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 All opposed, say nay. All right. Uh, the uh, minutes are approved. Um, do you, yeah, I mean, you, you want to go through the, any other uh, business there or? No, coming up to the, uh, I'm sorry, not to jump the gun there, but for the administrative approvals that are next, there's nothing um, that stood out to me of anything uh, of note. I apologize for writing the wrong number where it says no permit required to. That's obviously wrong. I need to just take away that number because it, they're numbered going down, so it's rather redundant. Um, but they're, they're all rather normal repairs. Um, I guess this kind of piggybacks off this, though, is that I just wanted to, and I could have amended it earlier, but the, as you alluded to earlier, the tax credit did come back on June 15th of this month, or yeah, this month, so the 15th of this month. Um, so you guys are the Historic District Commission, so I think it would be nice to have an update regarding that too. Um, I just don't think that it was out when I wrote this. So um, $4 million for commercial projects, $1 million for uh, residential projects. The $4 million for commercial projects went in six hours on the first day. Uh, six hours is kind of a rough estimate, but it came out in at nine at 9 a.m. and I think like around 3 p.m. I got an email from the SHPO and it just said that they're not, it'd be in the public's best interest to stop submitting for the commercial things. So um, that is pretty quick, you know, and I, I knew that it was gonna go fast, but I guess I didn't think, I don't know what I thought, but I'd like to think that I, I, I wasn't anticipating it to go in the first day in six hours. Uh, residential is still open. Uh, so people can, in residential meaning owner-occupied houses, commercial encompasses everything commercial, and that includes um, uh, rental housing. So that, I think, is also a point of confusion a little bit because many people don't think about, I don't think rentals is uh, commercial, but it is income generating or revenue generating. Um, so I just wanted to put that on everyone's uh, radar, you know, um, and I think it kind of aligns with asks to do work because generally, or all the time, when people are going to uh, apply for the tax credit, they're doing it for some work. So I guess they kind of are in the same ballpark. 
I guess I didn't realize that there was a cap on those funds. Yep, so it came back this year. I, I, I don't know the last time that it happened was 2011. That, so we haven't had this for 11 years. And when I was at the Michigan Historic Preservation Network Conference, it's a mouthful, um, I heard some people talking and I believe that the last time that this happened, it was like $65 million across the state that was used. And this time we only have $5 million total. So it's a, quite the difference, but hopefully, you know, if we can uh, keep it going and show there's good work, maybe um, there will be change that's brought about because of that. But uh, it is what it is. And I think that I'm just grateful to have it back in some capacity because I think it's a great tool for preservation obviously in the state. So I think it's something that we should be happy about having, but I, that doesn't mean that you can't criticize the, the program as well, I don't think so. I think that constructive criticism is always good, so. It's a start. Yes. Yeah. Money off this property that then we're dumping money into, uh, for instance, over on Washington Square, I know this is a sideline, but it burns me, it really eats me up that our tax money paid to paint that building that the guy should have done repairs on in the first place. And his tenants are there, there's, there's drug users in the basement, they're kicking down doors, the security cameras don't work, the door locks don't work, he's doing nothing, but our money pays to paint the building because it's a good, you know, that's kind of where I struggle with that. But anyway, and the, the tax so credit fast. was a competitive credit as well. So it's a three part application and it's first come first serve in essence, but that's not to say that if you applied first, you would receive the credit. Credits are still judged on um, <clears throat> what is deemed A appropriate and aligning with the Secretary of the Interior standards. And then uh, properties also obviously need to be in either a National Register of Historic Places area or they need to be designated or they need to be in a local historic district. So um, it's not freely given, but I think it's, uh, I wish it was higher and I wish that we had some more money, but I guess we can just look to the future and like Dan said, you know, it's a start, so, yeah. All right, does anyone wanna make a motion to adjourn? I'll move to adjourn. Second. Um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Uh, those opposed say nay. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, this meeting is adjourned at about a quarter to six.